0: for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what he's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories at mbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us, and prepare your heart to hear from God. Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Ah, that's good too. Hey, y'all, I got to tell you, I had this crazy dream a while back that I was going to cancel Wednesday night services. It just, it's like, is that crazy or what? That's It's crazy. All right. Hey, we've got some uh, special guests tonight uh, in addition to everybody else. And I just want to take just a moment and have you just greet them. Um, we believe that we don't know everything we need to know and that you have to have other people in your life. One of my mentors says that if you're the smartest one in your group, it's time to get a new group, you know? <laughs> and so um, we believe in the, in the value of coaching and, and uh, you know, getting people that are, uh, equipped and in in a place to help, you know, guide and so forth. So we have coaching for for our pastors and leaders. And uh, one of our coaches, and he's all the way from Bend, Oregon, and uh, he's he's with us. Um, he directly coaches Pastor Tom, one of our executive pastors, and then through that is involved with coaching uh, uh, most of our other pastors. And so he's all the way in from Bend, Oregon. Scott McBride. And Scott, would you just stand up? We just wanted to honor and greet you tonight. Right, about Good to have you here. And then we have um, other churches. Can you believe this, that churches like other churches? Can you be? Well, you should. It's a kingdom, okay? Um, uh, become a dear friend of ours. Um, Pastor Tim Ingram, and he pastors Celebr- uh, in, um, Illuminate Church in Celebration, uh, which is over near Disney. And um, he has his uh, leadership with him tonight, and they're all here. Um, and they are going to, over the next few days, spend time with, with Coach Scott. So it's kind of all worked out that they could all be here tonight. But Pastor Tim and crew, if you would stand up. We just want to welcome you and honor honor you guys tonight. Now my cousin from Alabama. No, I'm, that's that's all I got. Hey, I remember as a kid being in service, and they take the whole service saying, "So and so's got their cousin here, and they say they can sing. So why don't you come up and sing?" And, and it'd be horrible. So that's, so that's why we don't do that. So, any believers here tonight? All right. I tell you what, there were some sweet moments in worship tonight, but I just kind of got a sense of tonight just listening to you guys for a moment, and just you lift, lift, lifting up, you know, just pure worship and singing to the Lord, and, and I just believe he's pleased with that, you know, when we gather together that way. Still, one day, we're going to get a, a church sanctuary that the, it opens up like a dome, you know, <laughs> so it can go right on up, you know. Not that the roof stops it, so anyway. All right. Well, believe because um, I want to get everybody on the same page here. We are close to finishing this series, uh, and then it will have been a two-year series, okay? And um, what we're talking about is systematic theology. Um, it's an organized way to look at what we believe, because and that's why we're calling it believe, because it's important to know what we believe. I want to share again the story, uh, in case. You weren't here to hear this because I want everybody to be, you know, up to speed on this. Uh, I'd read a story about a guy who was on a plane. He's a believer. Uh, the lady sitting, sitting next to him, he greets her. They start a conversation like sometimes happens on planes and said, so tell me about you or what do you do? And she said, well, I'm a communist. And so he said, oh, okay. Well, tell me about that. And so in about a minute and a half, two minutes, she was done. And he realized that she was pretty much communist in name only, didn't know what it really meant, didn't know what they really believed or how that impacted her life. She just kind of picked that up somewhere. And as he thought about it, he thought there are so many believers that he wondered, could that be the same thing? That, well, I'm a believer. Well, what do you believe? Amen. Well, God said it, and I believe it, and you leave me alone, you know? <laughs> and, and a lot of times we're that way. And I just think in the days that we live, you had better know. You had better know what you believe, why you believe it, and also be able to articulate it and to present it to others. And uh, it's an important thing. So we almost have now uh, a complete reference body that you could go back to online and... um, Look at systematic theology, what is generally accepted as being a part of all that. So we are, we're near the end, and that puts us in what is called eschatology. And eschatology has to do with what? End times, last things. But I want to, um, that's absolutely true and accurate, but here's what I want us to view it as. I want us to view it as it being more about Christian hope. And what Christ will do in the end. So instead of getting all uptight about, well, then this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Uh, and when is that going to happen? And who is this? And instead of getting all caught up in all of that, because I'm just going to be flat honest with you, we don't know a whole lot of it. It's right. just to understand this is mostly about Christian hope and what, what Christ will do in the end. And he will reign Amen. forever. And ever and ever. And, we, and we, we alluded to it in one of the songs tonight, too, is that one day every knee is going to bow. And every tongue, I don't care who they are, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it will not be because some big guard angel is saying, bow now. It will be because they will see. They will just see. They will know. And uh, so... It's more about hope. It's more about what Jesus will do through it all. Now, let me offer a couple of thoughts here. Um, don't try, especially when it comes to eschatology, don't try to be so specific when Scripture is not. Do you hear me? I know we have guys even on TV that are eschatology experts. And I don't know where you get your badge for that, but... but. Um, and I appreciate their study, I do. I'm not, I'm not demeaning them or mocking them or anything else. But we need to be very careful that we're not so specific when Scripture is not. There's so much that is symbolic. Uh, types, shadows, numbers. Sometimes people go crazy about numbers. How many of you have ever bought something before and it total came out to 666? 666. Oh, give me a pack of Benson and Hedges. That it, 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 it. Rather buy cigarettes than have the Antichrist, you know. So, so. How, how did you even know what Benson and, and Hedges were? Okay. But how many of you know, if you walk out and the total was $6.66, You're not cursed you know, and if your new credit card has a chip in it, you're all right. right. You know, the Antichrist, when he comes, he'll leverage technology. That's, that's pretty much what that's about. So, so stop being all hinky and all scared about everything, okay? And don't be so specific when Scripture is not because we just don't know. And some people will, the number this means this, this, this. Well, there are very few numbers that Scripture says means this. You'll see some patterns and so forth, but you'll also see those patterns be contradicted in other ways through Scripture. So just don't get overloaded, over-specific, and I'll say it again, when Scripture is not specific on this. Because historically, here's what's happened. We've assigned... Uh, People and events, certain meaning that historically has always proven to be mistaken. And when that happens, it discredits Christians. I believe it dishonors God. And it causes confusion for other people. You know, Christians over the years have named the Antichrist I don't know how many times. You know, and this event means this and this event. And historically, always mistaken. And so what we would do well is to say God is in control and I trust Him, and I will walk with Him. I will study Scripture. You're blessed for even reading the Book of Revelation. Revelation one three says, if you just read it, you're blessed. And so, um, you know, we can get familiar with a lot of it. Don't don't overread symbolism or symbology, Is Pastor. You know, I, a, I think this means this, and this is a that's obviously a tank, and that's a helicopter. Well, we don't know. In the book of Revelation, John was caught up in the Spirit 2,000 years ago roughly and saw things, and he's trying to describe them. And so we don't know. We can, you know, there's conjecture on this, but just don't, uh, don't get overly worked up about is it, is it, is it, here's your deal. I trust God. I am safe in him. He will, he will win. He will win in the end. Amen. And he is faithful. So let's look here because I want to give you specifics on tonight on who the Antichrist is. I'm joking, y'all. Some of y'all got your, your pen out. Let's look at some charts here just real quick. Ages past, ages to come. There was a creation. Flood first coming, there will be a second coming. Now, notice, too, that those that are against uh, Christianity have to do away with these things. They have to get those out of the way. No, there was no creation. No, there was no flood. That That was a fable. No, Jesus didn't come, blah, blah, blah. So you have creation, flood, first coming, and we're in what is called the church age. We'll come back to that in a moment. There is coming at some point, and every believer since the beginning of the church age has believed that the rapture would come in their, in their time. And so we believe, and I'd like it. If you'd like to go sign up at guest services or, or online, or you can text us at rapture. No. No. But very well could be. And then we've talked about this in weeks past. There are not signs for the rapture. Okay, they are not signs for the rapture. they are signs for the second coming. And you, you must be careful that you don't overlay the teaching of Scripture of second coming over the rapture. After the rapture takes place, Jesus comes and takes us out. Uh, a good picture of that would be Noah's Ark. And uh, we've talked about that previously. A seven-year period of great tribulation, second coming, and we're going to be right here tonight. We're going to be talking about this, rather, tonight, the millennium, and the great white throne judgment, new heavens and new earth. Go to the next chart if you would. And again, kind of the same thing, but I wanted to point out here, once the rapture takes place, Christ comes for his saints in the air, catches us up. During that seven-year period, there'll be the judgment seat of Christ, we talked about that, uh, the marriage supper, and then Christ's glorious appearing, or the second coming, and now he comes back with his saints. Following that, we come into the millennium. And so tonight, um, we're going to look at what we would call the millennial reign, the millennial reign. Millennial meaning or having to do with 1,000. Everybody say 1,000. It's a 1,000-year period. How many of you know that you, how many of you understand that one, that's going to be a 1,000 year period. How many of you got a grip on that? No, you don't. We've never done anything for 1,000 years. We have no idea. We have no idea. All right. A couple of things. There, um, history is divided up in what is called dispensations. Now I buy into a lot of the dispensational teaching, not all, um, Dispensations have to do with how God dealt with people in certain periods of time. And so you have a dispensation of innocence. And that was back, you know, way back, the garden. And now we're all the way in the, what they call the sixth dispensation, or the dispensation of grace. And I'm glad to be in that. And, and it's also the age of, of uh, the church age. So grace, church age. It began on the day of Pentecost... And it will end at the rapture of the church. The next dispensation will be the millennium. And that will begin at the second coming of Christ. And then it, it goes on for a thousand years. So let's look at a couple of things real quick. First of all, there's three views. There's the post-millennial. Excuse me. Let's go, let's go back. pre-millennial. And that's, um, I'll go ahead and tell you, that's what I believe that we are pre-millennial. So that means that um, rapture of the church, second coming is pre, it's before the thousand-year reign. So it's like what we just showed on the, on the chart. When you read the book of Revelation, you need to read it, um, it's, it's a funny balance, because some of it, you just need to read it literal. And then there are other things, because you don't have context on, you just have to accept as, symbolic. There's a place in, the revel- in Revelation where it says that a, two, a, a sword will come out of his mouth and he'll smite the nations. Now, is that literal? That this metal blade will come out of his mouth? Probably not. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So when Jesus comes and spites the nations with a sword coming out of his mouth, then I think we could say that it's probably his words, something that he will say. And do you understand that his words are so powerful that he created everything, holds everything together up by his words? He speaks to storms and they stop. He speaks to the, to the dead and they rise. You know, he says it and it is done. All of this is held together and propelled by the power of his word, the word of his power. And so I believe it could just be the words of the Son, the victorious Son of God, what he says, that would pretty much do it. So in that sense, it's not literal, but it is powerfully symbolic, and we can we can track that through scripture. Another view would be this: post-millennial and That is this, that the world is, and let's see if you want to be this. The world is just going to get better and better. We are going to help the world just get better and better and better. And finally, it will be a utopia. And then he'll come. We'll set it up for him. Jesus, you've been through enough. We will set it up for you. And then you will come. Did you know that was a very popular belief? Very popular belief. The end of the 19th century coming into the 20th century. Very popular. And then you know what happened? World War One, Hitler, World War II, Depression. All all of the, these things, the rise of Russia, all of these things begin to happen. They thought, uh, maybe we're not going to fix this. There are still some, a, dominion theology is what it's called. There's still some that hold to... That that we are just going to somehow make this thing better and better and better, and just getting you know ten minutes of the news this afternoon, I just don't think we're going to pull that one off. Okay, the third view is a millennial, a millennial, and when you add the a as a prefix, it negates whatever's behind it, and so um, this means that there won't be any millennial, but you have to take away scripture to do that. The or a millennial could mean this, that it's already happened. But if you look into human history, we've not had a thousand-year period that could qualify to be millennial. There are periods of time that, that resemble, but there's nothing even close to it. So, consequently, based on that, and of course, I'm super summarizing here tonight, um, based on all of that, we believe pre-millennial, that the rapture of the church, seven-year tribulation... Jesus Christ will come back and he will come to the earth and he will come back with his saints and that will begin the thousand year reign, the millennium. Are you still here? Let's read about it a little bit. The the most clear passage comes to us from Revelation chapter 20 and we'll read the first six verses, cover a few things and go a little bit further with this. John says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Now watch this because every word counts. An angel coming down from heaven, holding in his in his hand, so, so keep track of his hands here, okay? Watch his hands. Holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. So he's holding a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. I tend to think that's literal, okay? But notice he's got one hand tied up. Go ahead, verse, verse, oh, verse 2. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. Okay, so he grabs the devil I've, with one hand. I like that. I just like that. One hand. Well, I thought the devil was big and bad and strong and all that. You know, the, the prophets tell us in the Old Testament that when we see him, we'll go, wait. He? That's the one who deceived the nations? Are you kidding me? And so. The angel grabs the devil and bound him for what? 1,000 years. Go ahead to verse 3. And threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not. Now, don't miss this. He might not what? Deceive. Keep that word in mind. He might not deceive the nations any longer until, here it is again, the 1,000 years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. We'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 4, and then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received a credit card that had a chip in it. No, and received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now this thousand years is mentioned six times in the verse in the first seven verses, six times, and we we do not find anywhere else in Scripture where something is so uh, emphasized that way. Thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. So this is the most concentrated place in Scripture that points us to the millennial reign. Imagine a thousand years, a thousand years of peace, a thousand years of no deceiver. A thousand years of no one under the influence of the devil. Imagine. Now, I want to go back to this. Imagine no deceiver. And we're going to see tonight that this is the problem. Deception. Deception. That's the problem. Looking at the news, looking at people's lives that are messed up, looking, looking at so many things. The problem is deception, and the deception comes from the deceiver. Now, let's keep going here. Satan is removed... He is placed on that's what I put my notes death row. There is peace. The prophets point out this there's only good news. Thousand years of only good news. Come on, how many of you have ever gone to your mailbox before? Wait a minute. You go to your mailbox before and you're about to open it and you go You know or you get a phone message, you see, oh I have a missed call from so and so. It's my doctor, it's my lawyer, it's my whoever. You know and you're you're can you imagine a thousand years that you knew there was only going to be good news? That'd be awesome. No war. No no rumors of war. Nobody posturing for war. No fear, no pressure. Wild animals are loving and docile toward each other and toward us. There'll be prosperity, there'll be health. Zechariah points out there'll be no cults, no heresy. And the curse of the law will have been suspended, A thousand years. That's pretty awesome. What does it take to impress you people? Uh, <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. All right, now nah, it's too late. <laughs> Believers and tribulation saints will rule and reign with jesus it says during this time we don't know what we'll rule over who we rule over what that is entirely not clear daniel 12 says that at this point the old testament saints were, will be raised at the second coming new testament saints those that are living who are, who are who have died new testament in christ their bodies will be raised so at at the millennial reign though um all of them are present okay all of them are present at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released for a period of time. Why? I don't know. But we, have to, we just have to trust God on this one, okay? His plan. Everybody say, his plan. His plan. Earth continues to be populated during the thousand years. It's an ideal environment, but understand this, though. Man still has free will. It is not heaven yet. It is not heaven yet. It is very heavenly. It would be the best thing we've ever seen. But man still has free will. Let's go back to Revelation 20 and pick up in verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison. And will come out to, to what? To deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Now this is just unreal that after a thousand years of this, This just shows you how horrendous deception is. So many will be deceived at this point and gather together. Let's keep reading verse nine. And they will march up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire. Everybody say, but fire. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Let me just stop there just for a moment. Um, they gathered for battle, and I've read and heard others teach, and then there will be a battle. There won't be a battle. They gathered for battle, but fire comes down from heaven. Battle over. Okay? So battle over. And the devil who had what? Deceived, Deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Come on, can we just do something? Just do something on that one. Ah. Now, tonight, I, I meant to mention this earlier, we're skipping right now, tonight in the teaching, we're skipping the great tribulation. Okay, we'll come back to that and see some of the players, but we saw the, the false prophet and the beast, the antichrist and so forth. They're already in, in the pit. We'll get to that a little bit later. Tonight I just felt led to come um, this far. Now, once, uh, and again, there will be no battle at that point. It's fire from heaven and, and done, done with the devil. And here's where I want to go tonight, you know, because we can think, okay, well, what do we do? I just think there's something that glared at me when I was studying this, and it's this whole idea of deception. Deception. And all of this should compel us in a number of things. It should compel us, as I shared with you last week, to walk with God. To walk with God. It's not time to play. And I I feel emphasis on that tonight. It's not time to play anymore. It's just not time to play and, and, and not be committed to the one who can save you. Cut it out. You know, just cut it out. A couple weeks ago when Alicia was teaching, and I, was watching, I was at school watching online, and she just said, I'm going to just talk like a mama. Stop it. Cut it out. And I'd say that to you tonight, too. Cut it out and get real. Get real. Get this thing right. And come to God. He will help you. This is not about you living in perfection, but it's about you walking with God, and He will help you. Also, we need to guard ourselves against deception. Don't live afraid. When you have when you have a a view of this in the right light, you don't have to be afraid of this because God is faithful and his children are not appointed unto wrath. You know, and where we look at it wrong, we're going to think, you know, how many of you have been on some rides? Like there's one ride over Animal Kingdom at Disney. It's a a, a dinosaur ride. What is it called? Primeval World or Dino Land or something, you know. And there's these, it, it looks so real and it's so loud. And I can remember going through there when my kids were little. And the perspective that they did not have was this is not real. That they really won't eat you that that is really not a real volcano, you know? And so as a dad, I'm just telling them, "This is it's gonna be all right, this is a blast! (laughs) And once they kind of realized, I will be okay, you will be okay, then you don't live afraid on that. And see, I think some people are, are, somehow think that, and let me give you another aspect of a verse here. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly, out of temptation now we use that verse for our temptation series wait a minute wait a minute that word temptation is a rich word in the greek though it's not just i'm tempted to buy some vincent and hedges i don't know why i said that again i'm not tempted to buy vincent hedges. i smoked twice i didn't finish either time 10th grade so what was i saying Okay, that word temptation is not just you're tempted to do something. It's trouble. It's trials. And it is also in the context in Second Peter that it would refer to this. The Lord knows how to deliver his own. Amen. Think about this. When Satan is bound for this 1,000 years, when he's bound for 1,000 years, it changes the conditions It changes the conditions from darkness to light. And he's repeatedly referred to as the deceiver. One translation calls him that deceiver. And when the deceiver, don't miss this, when the deceiver is bound, it changes the conditions of things. And so let's pull it into right now and apply that to your house. And apply that to your relationships. Apply that to your thought life. That when the deceiver is bound, when he is absent, it changes the conditions of everything. You've got to stop giving the enemy place. You've got to stop thinking about what he wants you to think about. Deception actually means in the Greek there to to wander or roam from truth and safety. And, and you need to be careful because you don't any of us think he can never deceive me. Paul said, I'm afraid for you. He said in 2 Corinthians eleven two. he said, I'm afraid, 11, 3, He said, I'm afraid for you lest somehow Satan in his craftiness would deceive your mind like he deceived Eve. So we have to be on guard. Everybody say on guard. We have to be on guard or you're going to get what's called stinking thinking. You're going to be thinking wrong about it. You're going to, you, if the first thing that you grab every morning is Facebook, if the first thing you grab every morning, I'm talking about your attention, is the news, or i got to check some things on the Internet, well, how many of you know everything on the Internet or on TV has to be true? No. You'd, you'd better go to the only true God, the amen, the, the creator, the redeemer. You've got to go to him. Start your day with his truth. Jesus prayed and he said, Lord, sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth, John seventeen, 17. You're going to have to have daily exposure to and intake of The word of God. And you say, well, does this mean I'm going to end up in a mess? Yes, you'll end up in a mess. I'm not saying you'll end up in the lake of fire if you're a believer. But I'm telling you what, this is what the deceiver does. If you've already given your heart and your life to the Lord, he has lost much with you. But he will be satisfied, though, to mess up the rest of your life as best he can. To neutralize you, to get you confused, to get you defeated, to cause you to fall before the ungodly. Because Proverbs says that when you and I fall before the ungodly, it's like a well that has now been made murky and polluted. They will not drink of the water of life that you present when we fall before them. How did that happen? Because the enemy said, okay, I lost them as far as heaven, but I can sure mess them up here and hopefully block some other people from heaven. How does that happen? He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. So what you and I must do, James 4, 7. Let's look at it real quick, and then we're going to finish up tonight. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Say that with me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. This word submit in the Greek means to arrange yourself under. Arrange yourself under. That means you'd better rearrange a few things. How many of you would dare admit tonight I probably have a couple things I need to rearrange? Okay. So rearrange those things. And before we leave here tonight, we're going to say, God, help me to see and know what I need to rearrange. How many of you, if you started walking down the street uh, and you knew you had a little ways to walk and you've got a rock in your shoe, would just go? No, what would you do? We're going to rearrange something here, you know? And so we're not going to live with these things. We've got to rearrange. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Help me out. What? resist the devil I want to remind you one way to resist him ignore him and what happens so if he flees from me he's absent from me will he come back what do you do same thing again same thing again and the need be repent and submit and resist and he will flee let's go back to the point What makes the millennial reign so peaceful? It's the absence of the deceiver. It's the absence of the deceiver. All conditions change. In your marriage, in your home, your house, your mind, your life, how you're handling things, we're going to have to get the presence of the deceiver pushed away. Submit ourselves to God in every way. Resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out to of this tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadow Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.